Neil Schaefer is the author of four books on social media, including Maximize Your Social and his newest book, The Age of Influence, Educating the Market on Why and How Every Business Should Leverage the Potential of Influencer Marketing. Neil trains and consults businesses on social media marketing strategy, influencer marketing and social selling initiatives. He is fluent in Japanese, Mandarin Chinese. He also speaks to audiences around the world about those topics. Neil Schaefer, welcome to This Is Influence. Hey, Nathan, it's an honor to be here, my friend. Super excited to have you on the show. I just finished reading Age of Influence. Brilliant book, really fascinated by it. Tell us why you wrote it, who you wrote it for, and then we can start a conversation that way. So I am a marketing consultant, author, speaker. I tend to do a lot on social media marketing, at least at the time. And when I would speak, I would always look at what people are asking me, sort of like looking at the comments of your blog or social media messages to sort of see what is important to your audience. So I would always get asked questions, mainly around technology, what tools do you recommend, as well as how do you measure the ROI? And this is just general social media marketing. But it was actually one class I taught at USC here in Los Angeles. It was an MBA class on social media marketing, where the questions were all about not just influencer marketing, but also how could these people in the room sort of become more influential themselves? They had friends that were getting paid, you know, $1,000 to post something on Instagram or what have you. So that was really the, uh, the eye-opener that led me on this path to rediscover what influencer marketing really was. And as Nathan, was really interesting because as I did more research and I interviewed more people and I looked back at my own work, I realized that as marketers, we had been doing influencer marketing all along, whether mm. it was these employee advocacy programs where we're trying to leverage the influence of our employees or, you know, you have something called brand advocacy where you're trying to leverage the influence of your, your customers for referral marketing or even things like affiliate marketing. We're trying to leverage the influence of people that can drive website traffic and, and, and get clicks. So when I looked at it that way, you know, at the time, people just looked at influencer marketing as being Instagram, and they mm -hmm. were just chasing lots of likes from people who had lots of followers that no one had ever heard of before. So there was a lot of backlash about influencer marketing, but I realized that there were a lot of case studies. There were a lot of businesses and brands that were really successful. So I wanted to write the book because I realized as I was going through this that from a social media marketing perspective, the number one thing that businesses can do to have impact is influencer marketing because it's this unhidden thing that most businesses have been doing but not strategically or they haven't been doing enough. But when you look at you know social media algorithms favoring people over businesses or people don't trust ads, um, and I think the younger the generation, the more, yet we know from all these studies that influencers have tremendous influence uh, especially at younger generations, but at older generations as well. And that influence is really, um, it's everywhere. It's been democratized over the last few years. Uh, I, you know, every client that I work with, you know, I try to push towards them. And, and when I was writing the book, I said, look, let's look at social media marketing, but could we replace that with influencer marketing? Could we have a 100% influencer generated content strategy, right? Um, when I was writing the book, it was more, you know, influencer marketing should be part of your digital marketing. But now I was just talking with a friend last night who uh, is in charge of, you know, social media for a pretty large coffee chain here in the United States. And it's like, well, instead of trying to do your own organic social media, why wouldn't you tap into like your customers and influencers and collaborate with them and use that content as your own? 
And I'd say the same for B2B, right? I mean, B2B companies have always been hiring, you know, they've tried to bring in influential speakers. They do webinars with influencers or subject matter experts, right? They try to leverage their employee as that influencer. So, you know, same concept. How do we leverage, how do we do more of those collaborations and really intelligently leverage that content? So instead of us promoting ourselves, when we publish organically, it's always coming from the voice of customer voice. It, it's coming from that perspective that doesn't sound salesy. So, so yeah, I, you know, when I wrote the book, it's funny because I reached out to a number of people in the industry saying, hey, I, you know, do you have any case studies to share? I'd love to interview you for the book. And I got a lot of pushback. Like, who are you? I've, I've never heard hmm. about you in this industry, right? So I'm very much hmm. an industry outsider, but just taking a look very holistically, trying to take a very practical approach to say, hey, marketers and businesses have been miseducated on what influencer marketing really is. And right now it is the most powerful thing you can do in digital marketing, I believe, uh, especially when you consider, you know, how uh, social media marketing, um, you know, with with all the changes to algorithms and iOS, how harder and harder it is to to measure and get impact. Um, this, this is the future and more and more brands are catching up. So, you know, the Age of Influence was published two and a half years ago. Uh, so the fact that you still, you know, found it compelling today is is really heartening because I, I, I wanted to write a book that would be evergreen, regardless mm -hmm. of you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, the concept is the same. And I think that uh, more and more companies are opening up to that. And those that do are reaping the benefits. And, and I want to be part of that, that education process. Couldn't agree more. It's got some really fundamental um, principles that just live long in the life of, of businesses. From a B2C point of view, it's well-trodden. Um, you know, you talked about Instagram, you talked about TikTok, there are a lot of B2C businesses that are, are using influencer marketing as a growth engine for their, for their business. In B2B, it feels as though it's risen to prominence quite recently, I would say, even though it's been around for quite some time, but it feels in the kind of, in the ether, it feels as though B2B are just cottoning onto this concept of influencers, you know, you know, we can work with influencers in our space to uh, build trust and, and, and generate leads and, and, and build credibility. Talk about how B2B specifically, B2B brands are using influencers and working with influencers to grow their businesses. Yeah. So I think when it comes to B2B, I would say that influencer marketing is even more important. Now you need to remember that compared to consumer brands, marketing and B2B um, they may not have as much budget. They're, they may not have as much spend. And there is a heavy reliance on paid media, I find, um, even maybe more so than B2C. And it might not be Instagram ads, maybe it's LinkedIn ads, or maybe it's Google ads or YouTube ads, but uh, it, it's definitely out there. So I think, you know, with B2B, what we're seeing is a combination of a few things, but they really all rely around content. So you know, bringing in, and we were together at that, that Analytica event in London where, you know, where we met. And, and at that event, they kept on talking about subject matter experts. Mm. So in any B2B industry, there are people that people in your industry tune into. They might be tech bloggers. Um, they might be employees at other companies like, you know, CTOs or CIOs or what have you. But those companies are not competitors. They're like partners or ecosystem partners, right? You might have you know, when your salespeople go on important calls, your customers don't want to meet your salespeople. They want to meet that one key person behind your technology to better understand how it works. So you, you know, companies have these internal subject matter experts as well. So at B2B, I think it revolves around how do we leverage these people to, uh, you know, to, to co-create content for us that can lead to leads and sales. So we often see this in 
you know, customer events or industry events where companies will obviously bring in these subject matter experts as, as speakers, right? Um, and with that, obviously, the subject matter experts going to promote the fact that they're speaking at the event, so it gets exposure to their network. And from a brand or B2B brand perspective, they get some credibility because they brought in this speaker that everybody respects. So I think that's one way in which you see it work. Now, if we're recording that content, we can actually repurpose that content, right, over the course of a year. Um, and now we have from just leveraging the credibility and the amplification that a subject matter expert or influencer can give us, now we have this, this Christmas gift, which is this content that we can use, you know, week in and week out that will continue to drive leads for us. So, you know, I think speaking at events, like physical events is one very, very unique and distinct way that we see this come out. It could be a customer event, you know, and, and I want to say there is actually an influencer marketing tool company that I did a webinar together with them and they were speaking at a national marketing conference and they said, Neil, we normally have customers speak at this conference, but you know the subject so well and you know our technology so well. And because you are a speaker, you get paid to go on stage professionally. You're going to deliver this message better than our customers could and better than we could. Can we hire you to, to, to speak on this topic? And I think that really says it all. Bringing your customers in as well. When I was in B2B sales, the greatest credibility was saying, here's a press release of this customer using our technology when you're a startup, right? So leveraging your customer's voice. And we see companies like Evernote will have a blog full of how their customers use Evernote in an enterprise setting is a great example. So leveraging the, leveraging the employees, right? Leveraging, obviously, we talk about social selling. We're really trying to leverage our salespeople as influencers to help spread the word. Um, but it, we need to bring in those subject matter experts. And there's also other people in the organization that have their own perspectives. You know, when I was on stage at that analytical event, I talked about employer branding because now we have this intersection. And I think it's important for B2B as well. We want to promote our content through social media, but it's also where people are looking for jobs. So we have this unique intersection where, well, if we can get more of our people to talk about our business, it actually helps bring in more people who want to work for our business in addition to leads, we get leads for our business as well as for recruiting. So there's another angle there when it comes to employees that I think it's important. And then you have other, you know, content co-creation, webinars that you do together, uh, blog posts, eBooks, a lot of different things you can do. To me, the social strategy is clear. It's, it's, it's collaborating with others. It's this, this holistic influencer marketing I talk about. And the space is growing, right? The opportunity is growing for B2B brands. You, you know, I feel as though there are more and more creators now, not, on, not only on LinkedIn, but on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. It's getting easier for subject matter experts to put their thoughts and ideas out there to build an audience, to, to build a following. So the opportunity for B2B brands in this space is actually increasing, even though it, actually despite the fact that you 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 know you sell a very niche product to very niche audience, it actually gives probably even more more power to be to be influencer marketing. Um, talk a little bit about that the the growth in the creator economy and and more people to kind of you know taking it upon themselves to build their own personal brands and talk about talk about that in terms of just the power that we have now, which is unprecedented, to actually create influential employees um, and have influence within our organizations because I think that is the defining power of the employee in the in the in the 21st century. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And 
I, I think first of all, this term creator economy. So it's funny because there's a lot of marketers that cringe. I mean, not our podcast listeners, obviously, but of course there not. are others out there like influencer marketing. They sort of cringe at that term, but creator economy, everybody loves. And we have to remember the creator economy, creators have always been around, right? We, we call them influencers and their primary source of income. Well, a big source of income was brand collaborations, what we think of as influencer marketing. But what happened with COVID, uh, with the emergence of TikTok, was TikTok said, you know what? We want to get more content on our platform. We're going to pay you as a creator. We're going to create a creator fund and we're going to pay you just to create content. And then Instagram goes, oh, well, if you get a lot of views in your reels, we're going to pay you as well. And then Facebook starts a program. Pinterest starts a program. LinkedIn starts a creator program. Because now social networks realize they need creators on their platform. They, you know, you can get content, you can have bots create content, but to get that really engaging content that makes people stick around, that is what businesses, what, what social media needs. So that's the first part is now more and more people feel empowered. And now this creator economy has grown because there's more ways for creators to make money. You can, you know, create your own product. You can create your own teaching course. Like the technology and the resources that are available in the world to help have come to a point where it's really easy to do this stuff that it was very hard to do five years ago. So I, I think that's one thing is that the creator economy, the influencer marketing part, that brand collaboration part is just a part of that creator economy. But if you talk to like my kids are in high school, I mean, it's, it's sort of the dream is to start creating content and get views and get brand deals and, you know, get money from TikTok. Um, so the creator economy is definitely booming. It's easier to create content. It took me a while to create my first TikTok video. The video I just showed you before we started that I shot with my mm -hmm. daughter, she it's did great. that in like literally less than a minute, right? Right. Shot the video, Bam. did the text, you know, the audio. Yeah. So when you get good at it, it doesn't take a lot of time either. Like it's for them, it, it's like our tweeting, right? Um, so yeah, we're, we're seeing the growth of it and, and the technology is getting better and people are getting better at creating really compelling like TV commercial quality video, right? Um, so that's, that's, we see the growth of people getting better at doing that and, and creating more engaging content than we as businesses can create. On the flip side, businesses are sitting on top of this potential gold mine and I've been doing, you know, we came up with the word employee advocacy maybe back in 2012, 2013, and I've been a part of a lot of these initiatives. And I think they've always failed because number one, they focus too much on the technology. They'll, they'll go, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just use this tool and then we'll have everybody opt into this tool. And then when we post a new blog post, you know, they can just all share it. But it comes down to the core of influencer marketing is W-I-I-F-M, which means what is in it for me, Right. So there's nothing in it for the employee. In fact, they don't want to spam their network. So it takes a very, very different approach. So, you know, when I wrote my book, it's like, hey, why don't we treat employees as influencers? How do we treat an influencer? We would compensate them or give them free product or, or you know, uh, send them somewhere around the world. I don't know. But we, we would treat them in a different way than telling our employees to opt into this tool and uh, just, you know, publish our, our boring blog content. Um, so when you look at it that way, you begin to say, okay, well, who of our employees are already talking about us in social media? And I think that most companies will find that they do have their employee brand advocates that are talking about them. Well, let's start with them. Let's have a conversation with them. Like, hey, here are goes. We, we want to get more word of mouth in social media. You know, what do you recommend we do? And they're going to give you some great feedback. They're going to, well, our social media channels suck. Our blog content sucks or whatever the, you know, whatever the feedback's going to be. But I really do think tapping into those socially active employees you already have, every company has a nano influencer at this point. 
because even my kids in high school, they have like six, seven, 800 followers. Um, if you go to a 2000 person high school, that's sort of what happens. So, you, you know, the, the concept of nano influencers being at 1000 followers or more, these people are in your organization. Even if you're a 10 or 20 person organization, you probably have one or two. They're probably younger, more junior, but have the conversation and see how you can begin to create something new for them. But there's also other people in your organization who probably would love to learn about this, right? So I believe that the training is the key part. And I, I use this analogy. I did not use it in the book, I think, because it was actually in the pre-order campaign. I had a big B2C brand reach out to me and I met with him in Singapore. And he said, we have all these nano influencers. This is a B2C brand, but trust me, it's going to be relevant for B2B. We have all these nano influencers who love talking about our brand, but the quality is not there. Like the, the photo quality, the copywriting. What He said, what do you think if we brought in other influencers to teach them how to do photography better, how to do video better, how to do better copywriting, maybe teach them about their personal branding? And that is, I thought that was a brilliant idea. And it's something that I preach now as well. Why don't you actually train your employees on personal branding, on copywriting, on how to take better photos, how to create really cool TikTok short form video? Um, if you want to foster a, a environment or employees that are, that, that are content creators that can become your brand advocates, invest in them, right? Train them, give them an education. Not everyone's going to be interested. That's awesome. But, you know, in, in HR, and I'm not from HR, but this concept of employee for life, employees don't stay with your company forever, but when they move on, they become a great source of referrals. So we want to keep mm -hmm. a very, very positive relationship. Mm -hmm. Be the company that equips them and gives them that training. And you will see slowly but surely more content creators in your company, more content creators that are more active on social media. And indirectly from that, more content creators that are active on social media that are your employees that are talking about your brand. And I think this is the opportunity that businesses miss out on. Because I, I go to presentations, or I should say, I get hired to speak to companies like, we just want our salespeople on social media more. Mm. And you know I can be there speaking and do a, a two or four hour workshop, but this is something that has to continue on and it has to be formalized and you have to give your employees a chance to, to get caught up to the, to the fact but you're always going to have your early adopters that are already doing it. And you're going to have a next batch of people that if you give them the opportunity, they would probably take you up on it. So this, I think, is the opportunity. And this is above and beyond the whole subject matter experts that can provide great content and should be your rock stars at, at conferences. And then your salespeople that we talk about social selling. I mean, that, that goes without saying that those are two areas you should focus on. And then executives as well because they should be the voice of your company. They're the leaders of your company. And if they get more active on social media, it's a trickle down effect, right? And everybody else follows. But it's really the general employees where I think there's a huge potential that a lot of people aren't really talking about or trying to tap into. But that whole idea of, you know, we need our employees to be more active on social media, or we need uh, an Instagram account, or we need a TikTok account, like, or like we need B2B influencer marketing. It seems very tactical, right? It seems like a tactical solution to what is a, at heart a strategic problem, especially in, in, in B2B. And I think what we're missing, you know, there's a temptation that actually B2B influencer marketing can seem quite faddy and kind of of the time of the moment. It seems as though it's kind of galvanizing this momentum. And I think what a, people, a lot of people are missing is actually, actually it needs to form part of your wider communications narrative, your wider marketing strategy, 
it needs to form part of a messaging framework that the you know the whole the whole organization is behind um it can't be seen as a tactical um you know throwaway uh sh- you know sort of strategy that we work on for 3 or 6 months because it's not going to integrate into the rest of the of of the marketing strategy and it's going to f- fall flat in in a short space of time um I'll talk a little bit about that yeah well you know that's where i like to talk about that employer branding overlap because as you talk to your employees about your social media it inevitably gets into the conversation of what is your culture what does this company stand for what is our mission what are our values and i think that 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 is where really the rubber meets the road and that's why i think these programs can really actually strengthen your culture because it's it's going to ask force you to answer those questions and I think once you can tap into that and you your culture gets you know reinvigorated with the help of your employees, it helps everybody then become on the same page. But if you don't have you know, those values, the mission, the culture, if it has not really been spelled out and people don't understand it, these programs inevitably are going to be really, really hard to implement, right? So just like mm-hmm. influencer marketing for a B2C brand, it has to be, it's not a campaign, it's a commitment. It's like social media itself. A lot of people saw social media 10 years ago as a campaign, but it has to be part of your infrastructure, right? And I think this concept of influencer marketing is the exact same. It's not a short-term tactical solution. It's a long-term program. And from that long-term program, there's tons of long-term benefits. And working with your employees as part of this program, you know, if you can create this program for your employees, why not invite those external subject matter experts, those external influencers, even those partner companies that have influential community managers that, you know, sometimes talk about your, your company and in their social media, why not bring all these people together into this program? And it it becomes long-term and there's so many benefits. I just, you know, the tactical benefits, yes, more mentions, more leads, what have you, but it's also the, the cultural benefits, the employer branding benefits, all these other benefits that I think a lot of businesses just, uh, forget about or don't realize that might be even more powerful. Similar to, you know, when I was writing The Age of Influence, there was a shift where people were thinking, well, the amplification of content by influencers is great, but the content itself that influencers mm. create is so much better than what our brand is creating that it actually generates better return on ad spend when we use their creative. It gets us higher conversion rates when we have it on our, you know, on our landing page or in our shopping cart page. So it's all these other benefits that come that I think we need to realize here. So it takes it takes a different mindset and it takes that holistic perspective as I was talking about. And I think once you you get it, you begin to see that path forward. If you don't get it yet, replay this podcast episode <laughs> at 0.75 <laughs> or 0.5 speed. But right. I think the, the, the nuts and bolts of what is necessary, I, I think we've discussed here. And I think it's a matter of how you're gonna apply that to your own specific company. And maybe more importantly, convince those around you that you need a little bit of budget. Let's shift a little bit of that paid budget, you know, here. And there may be a slight decrease in the short term of leads or some metrics, but we're trying to build something long-term that's going to have exponentially better impact. Neil, I could talk to you about this all day. I've got so many questions, but but I, I know we're short on time. So last two questions and then I'll, I'll let you go. It, it feels to me, Neil, that B2B brands are on this treadmill of we need to create more content and more content for more buyers and more stakeholders at any stage in their, in their buying journey. 
Um, and I feel as though influencer marketing is kind of falling into that, uh, where people are like, okay, we need to work with influencers to create content and create more content so that we can stay more visible. And there's just this arms race that B2B brands are kind of falling into, which is ultimately going to be unsustainable because, there, you know, there's only so much content that you can create. Like, no one has infinite budget and resource, right? What advice do you have for B2B brands on on how much content is necessary to build an audience? How much content do you need to create with influencers? Is there any kind of guiding principles or any advice that you have for B2B brands in that area? Yeah, I do a lot of work. So my work extends obviously beyond influencer marketing. And it was actually publishing that book, The Age of Influence. It came out the day that California went on lockdown, March 17, 2020. So I learned very quickly that I had to leverage everything that digital offered me to help promote that book because I couldn't meet people in person. One of the things was I heavily invested in SEO, in my own time, you know, and, and content creation. And what I realized is that, you know, there, there, there is a certain amount of content that you need. So this is, I'm actually, this is part of this next book that I'm writing. I, there's many words for it. I call it the library of content. You've probably heard that term before as well. But from an SEO perspective, there's only so many things that people search for. So what I find is that I'll take HubSpot as a great example because they're a competitor in my industry for my content is that mm -hmm. they are in essence a marketing automation slash CRM slash you know, landing page builder, but they will write content about influencer marketing. And I'm thinking they are not an influencer marketing platform. Um, so I find that companies sometimes they get so into content that they begin to create content that is irrelevant to their core business, to mm -hmm. their core products. And that is where I think companies can go overboard. I think it's really sticking to what is the core content that we need from an SEO perspective to build our library of content and what is the other core content we need along the buyer's journey. But I think you get to a point where you have all that you need. When you get there, you flip into maintenance mode. You flip into revision mode, refresh mode. And I think that companies that are used to spending content marketing budgets on just creating new and new and more and more content, it's hard to do that. But I think that's really all you need to do. Yeah, there's still new content that needs to be created as new trends come out. But, you know, it's not a never-ending thing where you always need more and more and more. In fact, I'd say less is more because it, it confuses search engines if you have too much content. And <laughs> confuses people that are in the buyer's journey. They don't know right. what content to look at. So my recommendation is, is to get back to the basics of really what are the core necessary things. Look at your Google Analytics. If you have too much, cut it out. I went down from having 1,600 blog posts to 400 blog posts. I am back up to 600 blog posts, but I'm getting exponentially more traffic than I used to. Because now, whether it's the search engines or our readers, they're not seeing irrelevant content. Every piece of content has relevance. And that's the key thing. Not only... For the podcast listeners, not should not only every piece of content have relevance, but it shouldn't compete with your other content. That's called keyword cannibalization in SEO terms. But from a, a user experience perspective, it's really bad. Well, I read here you said this, but here you say that. Well, which one, right? So yeah, get back to basics. It's not, I believe that once you build that library of content, then, hey, let's bring in influencers to give it a fresh perspective. So we're going to do a revision of this content once a year. And every year we're going to invite in two or three more experts and we're going to, you know, add that content in and maybe delete out some of the old. So, so every year you republish it as new content, 
but it's based on the old content. I'll give you a great uh, you know, example. Every year I used to do a blog post on the best social media marketing conferences to attend. And every year I would create a new blog post. And then I realized that my competitors were using the same URL. They were just republishing it every year. And because they used the same URL, they continued to accumulate backlinks. And I was trying to reinvent the wheel every year. So when you begin to look at it that way, the SEO benefits of republishing, you begin to see at some point, right now, 25% of my content is republished. I publish three new blog posts a week, one old blog post a week, currently about a year or two old that I'll republish. I refresh them, obviously, add more content to lead irrelevant content. But at some point, Nathan, that's going to get to three times a week and two of those three articles are going to be republished because I almost have this library of content built out. I've almost covered all the important topics that are necessary for my potential buyer. So you, I think that you need to realize that and get into maintenance mode, but leverage influencers, leverage employees um, to help refresh that old content, give it new life, get new shares from these people that are, are taking part of it. So yeah, it, it, it is not a never ending arms race. Um, we're not going to start sending, you know, uh, how to destroy SCUD missiles. And now the U.S. wants to send Patriot missiles systems to Ukraine and what have you. We're not trying to escalate things here, but it gets down to what is the content needed to help potential buyers through the buyer's journey and obviously to get attention on search engines. And then once you reach that maximum, you need to switch modes, but always be thinking of ways to leverage the concepts we talked about here to include other people in that content, which will not only make the content better, but will inevitably get you more shares outside of your sphere of influence because these people that are involved in the content want to share it with these communities as well. So I'm hoping that, uh, I know it's a little bit different than what we've been talking about, but it's something I put a lot of thought behind. So I'm, I'm really glad that you mm. asked that question. I, I can see that. Final question, Neil, that we ask all of our guests. Can you share one thing on social media that you've come across that has influenced you recently? Well, I would say, so before we started recording this podcast, we talked about short form video and it's something that I have not done a lot with. I know most B2B brands have not, although there are some B2B brands that are sort of tapping their foot in, but I know looking at the history of social media that boomers, as my daughter would say, anyone over 25 years old, um, that people take over these networks, we hijack them and they get morphed into something very different. So TikTok is no longer just dances and all that. And it's really my research the last few months. And it was, you know, hearing speakers at uh, conferences like podcast uh, movement or uh, vid summit, um, that there are B2B people that are on TikTok that are generating views for their professional content and they are getting business from that. And it was similar to my exploration of influencer marketing a few years ago. I'm finding that there is more and more B2B content. And not only is there more and more B2B content on TikTok, but it is being absorbed, it is being viewed, it is being liked. So I think that there's tremendous opportunity, but the content has to be done in a very, very different way. And I think that any organization, at some point, you know, millennials are a majority of the workforce now. At some point, it becomes Gen Z. If you want to understand how to communicate with younger generations, spend some time on TikTok. And once you can understand that, leverage your youngest employees. Oh my gosh. Whenever I reach out to like high schoolers, like, Hey, do you want to help me with my, with my TikTok? Like my daughter does not want to help me with my work. Oh daddy, let's make a TikTok. They love, it's fun, right? It, it, they love to do it. So <laughs> you will find it, probably a lot of people, younger people in your organization that would love to help you better understand mm -hmm. TikTok. And mm -hmm. it's just like 
every new social network when I do trainings begin with a role model. So I've been looking and finding my own B2B role models, people that are talking about similar topics, like what we talk about here about influence and influencer marketing. There are people on TikTok talking about that. They're getting hundreds, thousands of views. Look at your analytics and other social networks and do the comparison. Now, what is also interesting though, Nathan, is that the, this new short form video, people are just flipping through. So the, the view is not alike. The view is, you might see it as a fraction of a like because they didn't really have to proactively engage to like it. They're reactively seeing the video view. But on the other hand, if they see a still image on Instagram or on LinkedIn, they read it for a minute. Well, let's say they read it for like 10 or 15 seconds, but they see your video for 30 seconds because we are visual animals. The way that people retain information that actually might have more impact. You actually might get more mind share. But I think at the end of the day, and it was my B2B sales background that taught me this, you need multiple touches, right? To mm. get brand awareness to convert. So I think that's a really critical touch to have today. And I would encourage all of our listeners who haven't done it yet to have a really, really fresh mind. Forget about what everyone says about TikTok. Have a very, very fresh mind. And I just interviewed someone on my podcast who specializes in influencer marketing for musicians. And she said it really eloquently. When thinking about collaborating with external influencers, this could be B2B or B2C, who would you want to co-write a song? Who are the people out there that are writing great music? Huh, if we collaborated, we could create something really special together. That would become our best song. I thought that was a really eloquent way of thinking about influencer. And those, that could be your employee. It could be an external subject matter expert. It's gonna be different types of content at different stages. But this journey on short form video on TikTok has definitely had a big influence on me. And I've, I've found my role models and I'm, I'm starting on that path, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I know it's not for everybody. I have only created, you know, I only have like four or five TikTok videos in my account right now. I don't know how long it's going to last, but two of those I created in the last few days. <laughs> and then I showed you the one I did with my daughter that's teed up for today. So that'll be three days ago. That's not so rise in content. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about remaining relevant. And I think if you're not on TikTok, you're not remaining relevant to a, a growing number of people in the world, including your youngest employees. Neil, I'm so glad that I asked that, that question. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. Oh, thank you, my friend. It's, it's, it's an honor and you're doing a great job. So awesome to meet you in person uh, in London. And I hope it's the first of, uh, of many meetings. And, and I, I really hope that the industry, that B2B influencer marketing as an industry, that more and more companies realize its power and we bring together the, the employee advocacy and these, you know, key opinion leaders and external, it's, it's all part of the same umbrella, um, but there's huge potential for any company out there. So hopefully this, uh, this episode gave them some nuggets that they can take back to the office and start to progress forward on. I'm sure it did. This is Influence is a production of Bridge Growth, the B2B influencer agency for technology brands. I could not produce this amazing show without our crack staff here at Bridge. Tyler Ballow is our booker. Sean Ranwaller is our production assistant. Christoph Boaszczyk is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to This Is Influence. <laughs>